What we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's, where I get a chance to sit down with fascinating folks from all walks of life to talk to them about where they are now, how they got there, and some of the challenges they've had to overcome along the way. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Okay, so we are here with Lyndon Ashby. Hmm. Thank you, brother, for coming. Hey, man, thanks for asking. Yeah. Um, so, so Lyndon, for those of you, uh, well, you know what I'm going to do? Hmm. I'm going to kind of um, have you, sometimes I roll down what people uh, are kind of known for, and now I've started to wise up to thinking that it's better to let them put some things in their own terms. And I feel like you have a... Uh, Lyndon uh, currently is just ending a, what is it, seven-season stretch? Uh, it was six. Six-season six, stretch. Seven years, six seasons. Yeah. Seven years, six seasons on uh, Teen Wolf on MTV where he plays Sheriff Stalinsky, and that's how he and I know each other. Um, I played uh, Agent McCall. Not quite, you know, he was there the whole time. Uh, how many episodes was that altogether? 80-something. 80, 90, 88, 90. Holy cow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I came in for maybe 20 of those. Um, kind of came in heavy in one season. It turned out to be more than they – it was originally supposed to be 10, and then it kind of kept going. Nice. And then kind of went away, and then uh, coming back at the end of the whole series, um, which I think is okay to say. It's I think already so. out there. I think so. Um, you know, for inquiring minds. Um, but uh, one of the reasons I wanted you – here is because, you you know, one of the, you know, there are lots of things about the life of an actor that are challenging. Hmm. um, And you and I have kind of discussed those on, on sets, you know, uh, ups and downs and all of that. And your wife, uh, Susan Walters is an actress Mm -hmm. uh, as well. And you guys Mm -hmm. met working together. We did. We, we met doing a, uh, a soap opera in New York in, in the eighties. You know, it's cool. My sister, I told her I was interviewing you today and I said, you know, I, I know this guy from Teen Wolf and I, and she goes, I know him. I go, really? She goes, was he on a soap when he was there? I go, I think, yes. I go, he, he met his wife. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I know exactly who that is. It was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, excuse the hammering across the way. Um, but one of the things that, that you know, you, you get the, you know, the downside is sometimes is volatility. For me, the really unique thing about being an actor or probably any artist that kind of tours like a musician, anyone like that, is that I don't know other professions where as an adult, you get an opportunity to go hang out with another adult for a period of time. Um, a lot of times when you're on location, you're really kind of become this little two-month surrogate family yeah, or three-month. Yeah, yeah. And and you and I, even with me kind of just coming in and out, I kind of came in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for a chunk enough to we, – we really kind of had some yeah. very – Cool, kind of intimate conversations just by hanging on the set because there's a lot of downtime. You do. I mean, that's that's one of the the neat things about being an actor is that you you form these these friendships and it's uh, it's almost kind of like being in a foxhole together. You know, it's like you know, location. You become this insular unit that that you know, it's like joining the circus for two months, three months, four months, whatever it is, yeah. and uh, and then. 90% of the time you don't those friendships just evaporate but know? they don't evaporate but they I, don't they do you, you they see them yeah. but you see that person and, and you your friends right and yeah. your friends and you and you and it picks right back up but you don't uh you know you don't hang out you don't hang day. with them you yeah. don't see them yeah yeah but you still you still have that that relationship and you you see them and and it's all good uh, yeah. yeah yeah and we so we had uh Kind of there you go. Hold hold for this seems so right. <laughs> hold for plane. Um we uh you know, so we kind of had that that opportunity. And also one of the things on that particular set was that we would laugh how you and I and and Melissa Ponzio mm-hmm. who played I, I was so Melissa was the um she plays the the single mom of the the main 
uh, character played by Tyler Posey. And in the third season, all of a sudden, this kind of a jerk uh, FBI agent comes in, and that's me, and ends up kind of having a redeeming storyline. Well, you were his, you were his, his, his father. father. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, so I come in, and and you find out it's revealed that I'm his father, and you know, there's all this stuff that has to be healed. Um, it was really, it was, it was fun. But what we joked about was that all of a sudden we're like, huh, when did we become the old guys on set? Ugh. You know, because all these guys, all the, the the leads of the show were kids. Um, yeah, really. What, how old were they when you started? They were. When you did the they pilot? just turned eighteen. Holy I mean, just God. turned eighteen. And how old are they now? Twenty. Twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they just and, turned twenty six. And a good group of people, both both uh, you know the guys and the girls. I didn't know them as intimately as you, but uh, really. Cool kids, responsible, respectful. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I was, uh, you know, really happy with my little tenure there. But um, we kind of got to talk, uh, and and you shared some stuff with with your career. And one of the things I wanted, you know, in in the spirit of ten thousand knows that I think is so cool with your story and really important for if there are actors. Listening, I don't know if there are, but um, it's a, it's a really kind of a great, I think, like redemptive and kind of reinvention story that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, yeah, you know, I've been doing it a long time. I I went to New York in 1981. I was 21 years old, and I went to the Neighborhood Playhouse for two years and studied with Sandy Meisner. Actually, um, yeah, you told me that. And then I got out and I did a lot of theater, a lot of regional theater, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. Uh, and then started doing a soap opera when I was 23 or 4 years old. And how was that when you got that? Were you like, great, I've got regular work and oh, I'm yeah. on TV? I mean, it was kind of, or were you like, no, I'm doing it, theater and now I'm looking well, down? No, because I, no, I, didn't, I didn't look down on it at all. I got, I got on, it was like, I, it was the way that every, so many people were on soaps. Yeah. And, they, and there was... There wasn't really the stigma that there that there is now, or now it's I mean, almost gone, isn't it? Yeah, I think the soap industry is almost gone. But it, then it was like, you know, Meg Ryan was on a soap, Kevin Bacon was on a soap. You yeah. know, it was like, uh, my God, Luke Perry was on the soap, uh, Brian Cranston was on the soap. It was, yeah. you know, it yeah. was, uh, you know, these. these well, I mean, talk about getting your reps in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. and you know, you're <laughs> like, okay, yeah how many days you've been in front of a camera? Well, I've been in front of a camera for two years every day. Yeah. Uh, and you learn, you can either, it can be one of the greatest tools to learn your craft or you can fall into some pretty shitty habits. Yeah. And I don't think I did that. And I, and truthfully, I mean, if anything, I, I, well, I was, uh, you know, I, was, I did theater at night. I did the soap in the day, theater at night. And was just busy, 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 and uh, and I eh, maybe I had kind of an attitude about the soap because I didn't have the best attitude. I didn't, I, you know, like if something was crap, I called it crap. Um, and there was probably a more diplomatic way to do that, right? But you know, you're 24 and years yet, old, you know. And you're but but that's interesting. Interesting you say it because I think I got fired. You did? Oh, I got fired. Really? Yeah. yeah. Tell I, me about that. Um, well, I mean, I think I became a pain in the ass. Uh, and it was funny because uh, I remember talking to Luke Perry when he, when, you know, we met up in LA after he got off this open. He had just, and we were laughing. He goes, Yeah, that producer, Joe Stewart, he goes, he, he would always pull me aside. And he goes, You remind me of another young actor. He was very talented, but he had a very bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> and we fired him and we will fire you too. You better, you know, yeah. straighten up and fly right. And Luke's like, Yeah, okay. Um, and then he got fired too. I, I think he did. <laughs> I think he did. Joe Stewart fired everyone. Joe fired Brian Cranston. That's great. Uh, well, know. what I was going to say was, I think there's actually some kind of evolution of the actor um, where I know for myself, where you know I was so polite and deferential in the beginning, mm -hmm. and you kind of have to be a little bit when you're a guest on other people's, of course, sets. Uh, and as I got more and more experienced. It's not that I, I turned into, you know, that all of a sudden I was like causing problems, but I think I was just trying to bring my voice more to the role or to the set and try to 
you know, bring my craft there. And, and I, think, I think there, I think there's a way that you learn how to do that. And and being, <laughs> and you, being you know, being, being a bratty 23 year old was probably not the way to do it. But I think what you know, you get fired, and guess what? That's pretty fucking stern life lesson. Yeah. You you go, oh wow, I didn't like that. Um. And <laughs> then you you go, I I can't be this person who lets people run over me but i also can't be this belligerent jerk right and you find a way to have your voice and to 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 get what you need as an actor to get what you need as an artist to to be able to 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 express your your vision for lack of a better word and and to do it in an inclusive and constructive way as right. opposed to a destructive way right yeah right so that well what i'm i'm thinking as you're saying this because I, I didn't know that i actually didn't know you were fired yeah probably the so, best thing that ever happened to me probably the best thing and i'm actually thinking probably the best thing that ever happened to tyler and dylan and all those kids because i'm just as i'm hearing this story i'm going wow what a great mentor mm. all of the cast uh the young cast on teen wolf had in you because You've been there, done that. Yeah. You know, I, I was not that guy. I, I, I've had, it's like a real, real slow burn. So slow. <laughs> no, but it was a slow burn and a slow start. And I just, I don't know if it was because I was tall and I was going in for like, which sounds weird, but I was going in when I was 22 in the city in New York. I would go in for like 28 year olds. Oh, because you're so I'm going against guys that are 33 going for a 28 year old. They have 10 more years of life experience, and I it was it was a little rough going in the beginning. And I always think that with um, you know all the guys, I always say you know Tyler and Dylan because they're the leads, and they I kind of had most of my stuff with them aside from you guys. But they they to hit. I mean Tyler actually was working. I mean, he was like when, as a kid. J-Lo's son in that movie. Made for Manhattan. Made, or made, for, made in Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. So I, I did not have that experience, but it's kind of cool for them that they had you there maybe to guide them in a way. And whether they listened or not all the time, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I remember talking to Dylan one day in his trailer and he had just gotten maybe this. He had just gotten a big movie and he had already had a big movie. And he and and he was justifiably upset about something, but he wasn't necessarily expressing it in the best way. And I remember saying, buddy, everybody is looking for you to act like a prima donna right now. They're waiting. Whether they say it or not, they're waiting. Don't give them the opportunity. Just don't. You know? And he and and he listened to that and and he, that's great advice. Yeah, and it's like they're way they they expect that it's going to happen. They're waiting for it to happen. Don't give it to them. That's great advice. And, uh, well, you know, you know, and now I'm thinking, and especially as I'm looking at my uh, my <laughs> print up here of the surfers, even though I'm not much of a surfer, you are. Yeah, and uh, you're also a martial artist, and there's a certain. Um, you know, you're kind of like the Marlboro Man. Like you're 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 a tough dude, um, and yet There's you are. Ninety nine percent of the population is tougher than I am. <laughs> well, uh. I'm just what I was about to get to was you you got a um, an interesting combination of of you know you're you're a, a tough dude, but you've got like a a Zen quality, and I wonder you know I don't know I would chicken like, or the egg. I would like it? to have more Zen. Like I totally lost my Zen this morning. <laughs> Uh, out on the waves? No, it the these people who live behind us and they had like it was really hot last night all the windows were open and they had a party on a Wednesday night and I went out at like 11 o'clock and said, "Hey, can you guys take it inside?" and it was a bunch of like 20 something year olds and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry." And then they went at uh I had to go out again at around 1:30 in the morning and say, "Yeah, can you take it inside?" And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And then they still made noise. And uh, so I, I went over there. Did you come back in your robe like your kung I, fu? I robe? did not. I went over there this morning with a... Uh, a mallet? No, with a, with a shovel and a wrench. 
And I, and I rang the doorbell and no one came. And then I went around the house and I saw where the kid was sleeping. And I stood outside his window and no. banged, banged the shovel in the wrench. And, uh, Are you serious? Yeah. And then he didn't wake up. And then I'm like beating on the side of the house. And finally he, he, he gets up and he comes to the door and I'm like, oh, hey, good morning. I said, oh, did I wake you? Yeah, because you kept me awake all last night. I'm that guy. And because uh, I'd actually gone over there, walked through their house, gone out on the back deck and asked him if they could take it inside. And he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, man. And I'm like, no, you know, listen, because it's a beach community. So they're not right. like full time residents. And I'm, I'm right, like, so they don't care. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? You don't live here full time. Let me explain. So they, I go, what, better yet, why don't you go wake up everybody in the house? Let's have a discussion about respect. And he's did you like, really? Yeah. Hell yeah. And what did he do? <laughs> he was uh, he was. He was, was he was he, he was hung over. I don't think he was scared. Well, yeah, because a crazy person's out there holding a shovel <laughs> and a wrench, uh, <laughs> beating on his house. Uh, yeah, oh, I, and you know great. what? I could have done that a million different ways, and that probably wasn't the best way. Uh, and, like I and said, since Lyndon Ashby, my back, my back, poster of Zen, <laughs> my back has gone out today. Because I wonder if yeah, it's from it being totally so is. uptight about that. It yeah. is because I found as I've gotten older, that if I get, you know, if I get pissed, if I get in, you know, and for doing whatever, you know, and I start getting, it, it hurts me. It affects me more, more than, than it probably does them. Right. <laughs> um, and so I, I hopefully am learning to do that less and less. Yeah. Well, yeah. I still think you're Zen. I would it just, sounds like you've given Zen advice to those guys. Yeah, and, well, maybe. But I actually kind of like to. I kind of like to hear the fire there, and I like to hear. Yeah. What I love about that story is like they did not expect that. You know, no. they're like, oh, this dude's, you know, yeah. like at, you know, beating on their door at seven in the morning. No, hey, but they're but the night up. before they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Old old guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you come over with a, you know, pitch axe. <laughs> and pickaxe. You know, but yeah, where's but how insane is that? That it's like. You know, to to take a wrench and a shovel over to somebody's house. Yeah, uh, yeah well, it's not my finest moment. Well, let's see. You're being honest about it. I like it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not proud of it. But it was like, and Susan just shakes her head. Yeah. And she's like, and she's talking to Grace, our oldest daughter on the phone. And she's like, oh, your dad just told me that he was an idiot this morning. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, yeah. that that's the other thing you talk about. Your your daughters are how old? Uh, Grace is twenty six, and Savannah's twenty four. Yeah, so so we've we've talked about them before, and you know my kids are considerably younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son just turned ten. My daughter's turning seven in uh, about a week. Great ages. Yeah, great ages. Fun, and, fun ages. Yeah, and um, and so we've talked about it, and I look at you, and I go, ah, oh, he he's. He's gone through it. Um, he's intact. The relationship is intact. And um, I think you've told me your daughters have done really well mm. in school and uh, went, went to school in they Georgia, have. maybe. Um, yeah, we were living at Georgia in, in Georgia then. And uh, one of them went to UGA and one of them went to Georgia, a scientist Georgia Tech. And then Grace is getting her PhD. She's about to graduate with a PhD in poultry science, which is, you know, chicken science. And so she's, specific. And it is. And at first I'm like, wait a second, can you make a living doing this? And it's like the the, the head of the poultry department is like, yeah, it's kind of a big industry. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess it is. I do eat a lot yeah. of chicken. And, uh, and no, but she's a scientist. She works in the lab all day. She is specializing in, um, in parasitology, which... I was like, you studying ghost? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's parasites and chickens. And she worked on a new uh, immunization for Merck, which was for upper respiratory tract infections in chickens. And So underachiever. Yeah, she much. totally. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, couldn't be prouder of her or more proud, I guess. And then Savannah is finishing she's got one more year to go in law school at nyu wow so they're smart smart girls it's like clearly generational skipping because (laughs) i'm a a college dropout are you yeah i am a lot of actors i didn't go yeah but that's you know a lot of actors i think some actors are some of the smartest people i know and um sometimes they don't take to school it's not the right kind of you know your intelligence is uh is not measured 
in test taking or whatever, but it's in yeah. maybe an emotional intelligence, a social intelligence, I was, psychological. I was, uh, I was very dyslexic when I was a kid and, you know, I had to go to like, which re- is common for actors, reading too. lab and, you know, and this stuff. And, and I've since learned to love to read, but you know, there, there's still times as an adult that I'm, you know, I, I like look at a sign and I'm like in my brain, I go, okay, that can't be right. I don't live in Russia. That's, that's, yeah, <laughs> those, so those are not actual, you just yeah, those are not it. actual letters. Yeah. Uh, How does that affect you with, um, reading scripts? And, uh, and- it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not a super fast reader, but yeah. I'm a pretty thorough reader. And, yeah. Um, well, let me ask you, you talked about you, you were living in Georgia at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of the other things I find fascinating about your story. Um, Tell us how. Well, first of all, it's it's going to be a little bit long. I want to I want to kind of get hit all these points. What there was there were there's a film that I'm thinking of and a TV series that I'm thinking of that kind of were very much had you in the public eye right. in what the 80s or 90s 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 yeah um, and then. Right. Then walk us from there, what those projects were, and then how you went to Georgia, and then how Teen Wolf came about, because I well, find that fascinating. So we came out to L.A. in 87, and I started working right out of the box. I did this big miniseries with Farrah Fawcett. It was my first uh, oh. first job in, in Los Angeles. I was here like two weeks, booked this job. I'm like, this is easy. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, and and uh, and then Susan really started working, and there were years like in the late eighties, early nineties, I couldn't pay her taxes. You know, she was so successful. Really? Yeah, she went. You know, she came out and she series like television series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on. Oh gosh, she was on Hotel. And then she left to do this miniseries called Elvis and Me, and which was this huge thing about Priscilla Presley. And and then she owed Aaron Spelling another series because he let her off hotel to go do it. So she came back and did another series for him called Nightingales, which was kind of nurses in bustiers, and you know, it was great. Yeah. And and it did get this. It did a forty share, a forty. So explain that to people. Uh, like. Now a hit show is maybe a two. <laughs> really? Is yeah. that? Yeah. It's yeah. gone maybe, that? Maybe a four is big. You know, Teen Wolf was, Teen Wolf is, was a one or a 1.2 or something. But what's a, but that's on MTV. So right. what's a, so what's a, like a network? It's all like gone. This it's is all us. gone down so much. What's like I, a show I, like that? That's, it, that's now. It might be a six, maybe. A six. And maybe. she was on, there were a 40. Yeah, a 40. Oh my God. Uh, and they got canceled because the nurses were incensed that they were portraying them as wearing bustiers. And, you know, it's like they were candy stripers. After and nurses. how long? About like and, a full season? or Oh, I don't think they made it that far. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, they did a full season. I think they did 13. They might have done 22. I don't know. Um, and then I started working. You know, I'd worked through that and I did some stuff and, and kind of kept busy. And I did like a kind of bad series and... Uh, and then in the early nineties, I got a movie called eight seconds with Luke Perry, actually. And I played a cowboy rodeo cowboy. And, uh, I could see both you guys as as cowboys. And then I, uh, came off that and it was directed by a guy named John Avelson and John. Wait, John Avelson. Didn't he do, uh, is he Rocky? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he's done, and and he did Karate yeah. Kid, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It was great, and I mean Rocky. You'll see, I have it up yeah. there. What I, a good I, that movie is great. The original Rocky holds up like I mean that is an yeah. amazing movie. Yes, it is. And you see the making of it with him on the commentary. Yeah, he sounds like he'd be cool to work with. He was, and uh, and so I went up for this movie, uh, Wyatt Earp, and that's a big one. Lawrence Kasdan called John Avelson and said, hey, you know, I'm considering this kid. You How know, old were you at the time? I was early 30s. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm considering this kid for this part. And what do you think of him? 
And John not only said really nice things, but like sent all my footage over so that uh. he could see. And so I got that part and I owe that part to John Allison. Well, let me just interject there again, just in case there are young actors listening. Like, you know, it's like, you never know what your, um, and this is for any industry, you never know who's watching. So mm. conduct yourself with excellence. And a lot of times things come out of nowhere that that you had no idea they were going to come because someone, you know, you must have made John Avildsen's life easier. Yeah. And he liked you. You were good. You showed up. You were talented, good to work with. And then he wants to help you. Yeah. And, you and, he, and he went out of his way to help me, which was incredibly cool. And and what, I would say that for for young actors listening, when you first get into show business, you think it's this huge business. And what I use as, a, as an analogy is you ever see like her, the, the satellite pictures of hurricanes? And when you get in, you're on the outskirts and you sort of circle around this business and you're like, wow, it's kind of weird. And the longer you stay in this business, the more you move towards the eye wall. And after you've been in it a while, you realize how incredibly small this business is. Yeah, for better and for worse. For better and for worse. And But it's a small community. And, I mean, I haven't been on a film set in 20-something years that I don't know somebody. Yeah, that's uh, what I feel like. The last, I, I swear, the last five to ten years yeah. for me, I go on and... You know it, somebody. I know usually multiple people. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that be good at what you do. Be courteous. You don't have to be a doormat. Be a good person. Treat your treat other people the way you would like to be treated. And there is no more despicable creature in the world than an actor or a director or anybody who is only nice to the people they have to be nice to. Yeah. And you see that a lot, and yeah. it's disgusting. You know who I yeah. w- worked with? I, I just want to throw a shout out because he was one of these guys that was so I was so fortunate to work with. Uh, Jimmy Smits. Mm. You ever worked with him? No, I haven't. But he, yeah, he, I've heard he great things. He and I, I worked him. with him on the West Wing, and he was exactly what you just described—a total gentleman, treated everyone on with the respect. set with respect, and. But he was not, he was all about his work. And so he was a really warm guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we were working, we were working. And he was, he was like, you know, in there sharpening the knives, which I loved because I'm like, I'm there to work. But he was such a great combination of those things. The, The first time I met him, we got into a van going from like the ranch at Warner Brothers back to Warner Brothers main lot where the trailers were. And he was like, he was like in the back of the passenger van, which usually just so people listening know, like if you're Jimmy Smith's, you're like one of the stars, they're putting you in shotgun. But he was like, no, 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 I'll sit in the back. He gets to the back, they get, they pull up to his trailer and everybody starts to move to get him out of the side. He's like, I'm okay. I'm okay. He literally climbs out of the back (laughs) of the passenger van. And I was, this is my first day meeting him. And I was like, are you serious? Jimmy Smith is, and, and he just kind of like that just exemplifies who he was. Yeah, it's kind of what you're talking about. And and then on the flip side, I worked with a guy who I'm not mentioning any names. It was on a series, and the the van pulls up to take people to lunch, and another actor is sitting up in the front, and this guy goes, "Hey, look at the call sheet. Who's number one? Who's number one on the call sheet? Get in the fucking back." And it was like. Yeah, that's who that guy was. Right. And nobody liked working with him. And right. he's worked, but probably he was just miserable to be around. Um, anyway, so uh, got Wyatt Earp, came off Wyatt Earp, and got a movie called Mortal Kombat, which was kind of a flyer because nobody – it was funny because it came down to, for me, between um, – I can't remember the name of the other. It was another sort of sci-fi movie in Mortal Kombat. And Mortal Kombat was this cool movie that everybody needed it to work. You know, we all were there and we needed this film to work. And, and, uh, so everybody brought their A game. Yeah. And, 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 no and one we was all checked out. No. And we all like 
brought our A game, pitched in, and there had never been a successful video game adaptation before that. Shocking, <laughs> given yet, the current. Uh, I know, state but of there had been like Super Mario Brothers and Double Dragon and Street Fighter, and and so nobody thought any thought this movie was going to work, and it did. I mean, we just I. I like box office wise, it killed and all oh that. my god, we were number one for three weeks, you know. Wow, and you were the lead. Yeah, I was one of the leads. Yeah, it was Robin Shue, I think was a. Re- I would say he was a real lead. Yeah. Um, and I was the, uh, I was a lead. Yes. Uh, and, and it was cool. And then, like, I just kind of missed on movies following this up, and I got scared um and i did kind of a crappy movie and then i did a pilot that wasn't very good the only pilot i've ever done in my life where i was like oh please god don't let this thing get picked up uh when just going back you were you got scared because you think it was almost booked anything and how long of a period was that uh from mortal kombat i finished mortal kombat in the fall and it was coming out in it was supposed to be coming out in the spring and you wanted to work before it came out you didn't want it to come out and not be working right right Mm. and and i kind of and i i had been with an agent uh who and i was very loyal and he was a friend and I You think you stuck it out too long? I did. I did. And you know, all the big agencies were knocking on the door and I didn't 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 go. Uh I said, No, I'm staying with this guy who brought me to the dance, I'm gonna keep dancing with him. And I should have gone. Business wise I should have gone. Yeah. Um and maybe I didn't because I was afraid. I don't know. You never know why you yeah, do yeah. certain things. And I think fear is the most in life, in general, crippling. I mean, look, look, it, but it's crippling. It's it's paralyzing. It's it's as an artist, you cannot have fear. I mean, I, you know, I knew a girl who had no fear tattooed on the inside of her thighs, and she was a cello player. And she's like, "That's where I hold my instrument." This is way back in the eighties, and nobody had tattoos. Wow. And yeah, she was pretty cool, uh, and. And I believe that as an artist, fear is the most useless thing you can have. I mean, you want to be sensible. I'm not saying, you know, run off a cliff, but, but be brave, be brave. You got to be brave as an artist. You have to be. Um, So I, this would be one of your no's, a thousand no's. Uh, 10,000 no's. 10,000 no's. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe more. Uh, so Joel Schumacher called me in after Wyatt Earp and he talked to me. He said, I'm doing this movie and I think he'd be great in it and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, we met for hour, hour and a half. And then I didn't really think much about it. Started, did Mortal Kombat, was doing reshoots on Mortal Kombat. And uh, he called and said, hey, we, or my agent said, hey, will you go? He wants to have a meeting again. So I went back and met him and he goes, well, by now you know that the movie that I'm making is a is a time to kill. Um, I'm like, yeah. And uh, he said, you know, we talked and talked about the project and all this. And then he was mixing Batman and Robin, I think. Yeah, and this is like right when I moved into New York. He, 95, was yeah, it? Yeah. He called, yes, exactly. And he said, Will, can, can he come by the mixing room? And so I, I came by. Uh, I remember on Warner Brothers lot and you know on mixing stage, and he goes. We take a break. We go outside. We talk for another thirty five, forty minutes. I don't know. And he goes, "Do you want to do the part? Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to do the movie?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I do." The McConaughey part. And he goes, "You're going to be great in this." He goes you are going to be amazing in this part. And I said, okay, well, I, you know, I'm taking off to Florida. I got to go back. To, I'm going to go see family. I said, I know John Grisham. I think he's got a place in North Carolina. Do you want me to fly up there and, and meet with, no, don't worry. This is, 
we're done. You're going to be great in this part. And I went to Florida and read. My agent called me and said in the trades that this kid, Matthew McConaughey, had gotten this part. And I never heard from Joel Schumacher again. Wow. Um, I still don't know what happened happened or why it happened or... Uh, See, I always thought that I the story I heard was that m- maybe it was you. I always heard like Kiefer Sutherland was going to play that role, and then something came up, so they gave him that smaller role. And that, didn't didn't he do or didn't? Kiefer, yeah, Kiefer was in. Kiefer like played the racist played, like, guy, the racist or guy, but yeah. he was originally. And then McConaughey was supposed to be like a Klansman with like not much, and then they put him in the role I have no idea I have no idea what happened Um, well you know yeah but that and that and then did that kill you oh god yeah and then I then this uh, movie that Lassa Holstrom was directing uh, something to talk about and I think I was filming Mortal Kombat when when I went in for this I auditioned I went back I auditioned I auditioned I met you know my my uh, lawyers were the producers lawyers it was Friday afternoon. I had just gone in. I had a big conference call on the phone. Congratulations, kid. You got it. You know, this this part and something, give him something to talk about or something like that with Dennis Quaid and Julia Roberts. Right. And it was a guy to be the guy that she sort of had the affair with. And I'm like, awesome. You know, oh, amazing. And they're like, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm heading off. I we We're going to taking the kids to San Diego and going to SeaWorld. <laughs> and uh, and I, and they're like, have a great weekend. We'll iron the details out on Monday. And that weekend, Dennis Quaid got his college roommate, Brett Cullen, to come in and meet with Lawson and audition and really championed him and wanted him for the part. And he got this part. And I just needed that... What had happened is Wyatt Earp was not a box office success. Um, and so they said, you need a box office success. So then I do Mortal Kombat, which is a box office success. But they're like, it's not the right kind of box office <laughs> yeah, success. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I needed this next movie to like... Propel l- you. Yeah. Into- and I mean, the craziest stuff happened. This is... Uh, so I meet with this guy at Fox... Um, he's, you know, VP development guy. And he's, he's like, you know, do you know how rare it is to have young leading man can do, you know, action, can do comedy, can do da, 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 da. You know, we're going to find, we, we want, we will find you a movie, you know? And yeah. literally he's like, like, you know, take me around the studio yeah. and I'm it's like It sounds like something out of like a yeah. movie where he's yeah. puffing on a cigar. No, he's like, a young guy. Yeah. Young guy. Really on the ball. He goes out to some, I don't know what, what he went to, gets drunk, gets in a wreck on the way home and kills somebody and goes to jail. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This was like, I'm like. Okay, and you're what, going, yeah. what's happening in my life? What is what's going right. on here? But you know what? Well, it- and then and then you know. So then I did this series at ABC called Spy Game, which was was really fun, and we did thirteen. And between the time we were developed and the time we we aired, ABC had been sold. Capital Cities had sold to Disney. And so you gotta laugh. I know, I know. It's like at a certain point at a certain point you're like, come on. Our numbers were really good. And and uh but it was like we were an old regime show and they're like, We're we're not the baby gets tossed with the bathwater. Oh my Um, god. I mean it's just And we got replaced by a show that, that didn't do as well as us. Yeah. A little stupid show called The Practice. Oh. Uh, but if, but our numbers were better in right. the beginning. It was like, well, that's what it is. It's really, it's a, um, in a lot of ways, it's a crapshoot. In a lot of ways, you know, there's that story of I think it's Jack Lemon was doing a, um, <clears throat> was doing a play on Broadway, and you know, plays over, and he's he and his buddy, who I think is also another famous actor. I can't think of who it is right now. And they're walking from like 42nd Street down to the village. And the whole time, 
you know, he's talking about the play and this and that and kind of whatever. And finally, his buddy stops him and he goes, hey, Jack. I'm pretty sure it's Jack Lemon. Hey, Jack. And he's like, in the time you've been talking about yourself and, and just so self-involved, we've passed about 25 actors that could play that part just as good as you. And you're lucky. And, and like saying yeah. it as a friend, yeah. but basically saying we are in a business. And I guess my brother says this sometimes in, in finance. I think it's the same in anything, really, where, you know, there, you need to be good. You also need to be in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. And, and there is a tremendous amount of luck. And like for all of us, oh like, my God. you know, you and I both have gripes about where we're not. And yet, like, but where in the I grand scheme is, of things, I feel extremely I have lucky. Been, I've been you know? an actor for since, professional actor since 1983. Yeah. I've never done another job. Yeah. I mean, I've, like, I've, you get to be. I've made a little. You play make-believe for a living. Made a lot of money. Made, played make-believe yeah. for a living. Gotten to do things that I would never have gotten to do in my life. Gone places. Seen things. You know, had this amazing adventure. And you know, raised two amazing girls well, and yeah. had an, a great marriage and they got to see and do. And, and, uh, and it's, I, I can complain, but kind of reluctantly. Right. But uh, it's I've also, well, that's really, what I was thinking. I've been really time. blessed and I've been really yeah. lucky. I always love it, but, but it's, it's, it's a hard business. And I, I hear people look, like talk about how hard it is now and I was I was sitting at a dinner table a couple months ago. Out we were out to eat, and everyone was kind of griping about it's so tough now. It's this, it's that, it's that. And I go, hey, hey, hey. It's always been. I go, when has it ever been easy? Yeah, it's never been easy. It's like, come on. And, yeah. and but I can tell, what I really wanted to tell, like if there are young actors watching, I've been on the other side of the table too, directing and hiring actors, and there were girls who auditioned for this part and guys who auditioned for this part who were actually as good or better than who we hired, but they didn't fit. It's a putting a piece, it's putting a puzzle together and they didn't fit the puzzle as well. Their performances were better. They were good. They were great. Yeah. And the people we hired were great, but the people we hired were more right, right for the part yeah. and for the project. And that's, out of your control all you can control is you go in you do the best work you can and you know if you can walk away and go i did the best i could and you know you desperately want the part a lot of times uh but it's out of your control and and to know that it's not personal it's really not absolutely and and it's not even it's they're not and it's not that you're not a good actor and it's not that you're it's just somebody else. I've seen people walk in and that are great actors, it, it, particularly in episodic TV. They walk in and their their craft is amazing, and their what they do in the room is amazing. And then a guy walks in who's just the part. Yeah, he's just the part. And you go, all the acting in the world, yeah. it's not going to be better than that. That guy's just, I mean, like. And I don't know who the guy is, and maybe he's he's an amazingly different actor. But like, did you watch Bloodline? Yeah, well, okay. I, I didn't watch the entire series. I know one of the creators actually. I'd love to get him on here. Yeah, um, Eric, uh, the guy who played Oh O'Bannon, Eric O'Bannon. Yeah, actually. I, so you were talking about Deb Zane today, yeah, right? Yeah. She, I, she actually, I went in for that. I was close to something on to be that. Eric O'Bannon. No, no, no. She, but when I went in, she said, "You got to see this guy's." This guy's tape, and she showed me his audition tape. Oh, really? And he was, it was great. It was that scene near the dock with, like he, he's like um, pitching Danny, you know, the Danny character, and he was great. And she was like, I was like, wow, this guy's, not, and I've never seen him before. Yeah. I, I'd never seen him before. I grew up in Florida. I know those people. He was perfect. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Doesn't yep. get any better than that. Yeah. And there might have been better actors who came in and read for that part. Doesn't matter. He was Eric fucking O'Bannon. Well, when it's right, it's right. And you, I had a manager that used to say, you get 
you get the roles you're supposed to, <laughs> which always pissed me off when mm-hmm. I didn't get a role. You know, it's hard. It's easier to say this in retrospect. We're sitting here. We're looking back. We could laugh about it. We could laugh about. Yeah, but you didn't laugh Disney. in the but moment. But at the time, and you know what? I think as 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 I feel like as I get older, it's easier to take it in the moment. But it's hard when you're, you know, when you really want something. But I, I do think through time, uh, you know, what I was going to say, when you really want something and it doesn't come through, it's hard. There's a, just a natural frustration and letdown and period. And it's hard to let it go. Yeah. And, and and yet, look at the life you've had. And you I think know. about that thing where you're going to SeaWorld in San Diego and you could have gotten this thing. It's like, well, maybe you didn't go to SeaWorld. It's reminding me of like the uh, the Nicholas No, I could have gone to SeaWorld and gotten it. <laughs> it was a weekend. Uh, no, it's right, reminding me of that. What's the, the Nick Cage movie with um, he and Tay Leone? Uh, it's like, uh, oh, someone help me out. I wish this was English. No, 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 no. It was in New York. It was like the professional man, the something. The uh, straw man? No. Uh, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll think of it when we're done. Sliding but, doors. But it's basically, it's yeah. kind of like sliding yeah. doors. Basically, he's this kind of high-powered businessman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Living. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. And then, yeah, And she his... lives in Jersey, and she's like the high yep. school sweetheart. Yep. And yep. it's kind of this alternate, you know, yeah. reality of what would have been had, had he not, been yeah. with the love of his high school life. And he didn't have this... You know, it's it's that's kind it of it is, and then and the funny thing is 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 I know the other thing that you kind of wanted to talk about was uh, was Melrose Place. Oh right, and yeah. what was funny about Melrose Place is I I had just I I, I didn't get it. I, I Susan would watch it religiously, loved it, and I'm like, oh, Jay Willikers, really? Uh, yeah, and. And uh, what year was that? 90, 93. I'm trying to 90. Well, I was on like 97 or 98 or something. I don't know. I was on like the sixth season, sixth and seventh. And and uh, I hated it. I was no good on it. I didn't understand it. It was like these big conversations that you would have. And I'd be like, I would never have this conversation. This is crazy. It's like, yeah. but you got noticed. For, like, I, I it, did. It, and it, it, it helped. I did. I don't know that I was very good at it. Um, but I did. I, you know, it was, it was a financially a really good thing to do. And, and it probably led to other work, but it was a show that I was like, I don't get this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, get, I get why people like it. I just don't think I'm very good at it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I kind of felt uncomfortable. That's an the whole interesting time. thing as an actor is to, um, if that happens to you, where you're on something that, you know, people are crazy about. If you're not crazy about it, then there's this kind of like they expect you to be crazy about right. it, also. Right. You know, but there, it, it's a, that is interesting that you said like you, it wasn't your cup of tea, and yet it was a huge hit, and you're getting a lot of attention mm. for it. That's mm. interesting. That's a I I remember like casting thing. Okay, so I see you've got Brian Cranston's book there. Oh yeah, so, I haven't read it yet. So he was on Loving. He was on the soap opera, huh. and he's always a friend. I mean, he won the dance contest at our wedding. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, okay. and uh, and and it, it's like I I was doing this show Spy Game, and they were casting my brother, and I went to the producer, writer producer, John McNamara, and I said. I go, John, I, you know, Brian Cranston would be great for this part. We, we look alike. He's a good actor. You're not, not dead ringers, but we could be brothers. We're, we're, you know, we know each other. There's, there's a familiarity there. It's, and he's like, I don't know, Brian, you know, I, and he's not a serious actor. <laughs> no, no, he's not. A, no, this was before Malcolm in the Middle. And so he goes, he's not, you know, oh. just, can, you know, and they cast well, they cast the kid from C- NCIS, uh, Michael Weatherly. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was my younger brother instead of my older brother. Um, and he's a great actor. And But then Johnny Mac wrote Trumbo. Uh, and I went to a screening of Trumbo, and I'm talking to John afterwards. I go, you know, have you ever mentioned to Brian that, you know, I thought that he should get a part? And you were like, no, no, I don't think he's really, you know, he's not what we're looking for. He's yeah. not that good. Yeah. And he's like, don't you ever tell him that. That's funny. <laughs> but that's the same thing actually happened to him with, uh, right? Didn't he go in? He did a guest spot on X-Files and then those guys made Breaking Bad and that's why they brought him back in. That's yeah. 
which you is, never know. you know, you just never know what, you know, oh, which leads me actually to um, you and Jeff Davis with the, with the, uh, in Atlanta. So, Okay. Tell us that. So, so, so Melrose it's, and then it, it dries Melrose, up a and it it didn't. No, I did another series called The War Next Door that was like thirteen and then done, and then I did you know just bad little movies and you know I always made money, but I wasn't feeling wasn't on fire. Yeah, and then I got in this weird thing, auditioning. I started having panic attacks. Huh. And the more I wanted the part, the more desperate I got to get it, the worse it would be. And it got to the point that I I couldn't audition. I mean, I'd go in, I'd start the scene, I'd go up, I'd go, and they'd be like, oh, start over. I'd start over, I'd go up. I'd start over, I'd go up. Oh, man. And then I'd just go, I'm sorry, I'm wasting your time. And I'd walk out of the room. I and did. I did that once. And I did. <laughs> it was horrible. I, I and an actor I know was there, and he was, "What are you doing?" And I go, "I got it." And I just like I I had the same experience. It was on something I didn't like. It was in pilot season, which is a rough time psychologically, yeah, yeah. I think. And and I I totally, I went in. I said, "Let me come back." I left the room. I went back in later. It went just as terribly. I left, and he saw me, and he must have seen a look in my eye. And I don't. This was cool. No, you this don't. Is, you don't ruffle easy. No, but I had a weird. Um, I don't know what it what it was, but this was cool. This guy, um, Eric Palladino, I knew him a little bit over, you know, from like just over the years. And this is what's cool about the brotherhood of actors. It wasn't like I was that tight with them. We had done one. We were on a pilot together where I was like the guest lead and he was one of the regulars and it didn't go. It was like a Guy Ritchie pilot and it didn't go. But so I knew him enough, but I certainly did not owe me anything. Mm-hmm. He must've seen a look in my eye and he goes, hey, he he, like somehow direct messaged me or something on Twitter and said, call me. <laughs> and literally like I ended up calling him on the ride home from Burbank yeah. after that audition. He's like, Hey, that's all ego. He goes, I got this great book for you. And I probably have it up here somewhere. It's the, uh, the inner game of, yeah, there it is. The inner game of tennis. And he oh, goes, really? go read it. He goes, I'm not a tennis player, but it is all about the, uh, the Zen quality of being in the moment. And I'll tell you, that is one of the greatest books books for actors or anyone who okay. wants to be in the moment. I got I to gotta read the that. The Game of Tennis. And then at the same time, that led me to another one I have up there somewhere, which is uh, The Dude and the Zen Master, which is Jeff Bridges and his like, I don't know if it's like a Buddhist guru or something mm-hmm. like his buddy. And they were both, I read them kind of almost like as companions to each other, but it was this whole thing about being in the moment, not feeling attached, not getting too attached to the outcome mm-hmm. and that that's all the ego. And that really is what it's all about, whether it's a- When you become result-oriented, you're yes. in big trouble. And it's yeah. like my my dad always said, you know, you don't dance to get to the other side of the room. Yeah. It's like- That's a great one. Yeah. I've never you, heard that. You, you, you know, it's about the dance. It's- uh, So did that lead you- that it, Well, it got, I, so I got in this place and I, and I just thought- I've had a good run in this business. I don't want to overstay my welcome at the party. Maybe I'll go do something else. And I'd had this disaster of a production, like this crazy partner formed a production company and this, this, I mean, I, I could, that would be another hour of, you know, it ended, <laughs> Part two. We'll have it back ended in lawsuits year. and her being stuck in a police car and, oh, you know, God, oh yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was horrible. And I was just like, I was done at that point. Uh, and I was like, I never, I just didn't want to overstay my welcome at the party. And I, you know, we had been smart with our money and, and I thought maybe it's time to go do something else. And Susan was like, you know, let's, you know, our family's back East and I want the girls to have a family. And I want them to have a normal high school and, you know, maybe not in L.A. And so we we moved to a suburb of Atlanta. And I had no idea that the whole business was going to move to Atlanta. Yeah. And I thought, really, I mean, I looked, I was going to buy, we were maybe going to move down to Florida where I, where I grew up in this little beach town. And 
uh, I went and was going to buy this bookstore. I worked in the bookstore. I, you know, interned there. And I'm like, okay. And, and it was great because my father was, was sick at that point. And so I got to spend a ton of time with him, which was amazing. The girls got this great high school experience and uh, totally different than they would have gotten in L.A. And unbeknownst to me, they, there's this thing called the Hope Scholarship in Georgia where it's like if your kid maintains a 3.2 average through they go for high school, in-state tuition is free. And they were really smart and they went to great schools and uh, wow. we saved a ton of money there. And, and anyway, so then I got this show that called... That sounds like a movie, by the way. You should consider writing and directing <laughs> yourself in that. Seriously, yeah. going back to the small town and your dad's there and your dad is yeah. sick and you're in a bookstore working as an intern and you used to have this career. That sounds... Yeah, and anyway, I... Oh. And, I uh, and then I got this show, The Gates, which was kind of like... I, it was okay. I did like five of the nine or something. I don't know how many I did, but yeah. it was it was okay, and it was in Shreveport. And I and well, anyway, so the first year that I'm in Atlanta, I get three movies that shoot in L.A. I hadn't worked in <laughs> L.A. in like nobody works in L.A. What a anymore. We, we of a business. I mean, we, seriously, yeah, we, we travel. Seriously. We travel the world. We never work in L.A. <laughs> and so I and so I'm working in L.A. and. Uh, and then I, you know, it's like I, I started that year thinking I'm going to do something else. And I did, I went, I worked in a Lifetime movie in Vancouver, then LA, 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 uh, then I think like in Alabama, and then went, finished the year in Ottawa, just worked nonstop. So that was my big year of. I'm going to do something else. Right. And then I'm still thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, you know. And my dad's dying and it's 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 really weird and and you know, and so I went through this other thing where I couldn't close an audition. I couldn't couldn't book a job. I was just getting offers. I was working off offers, not from Which auditions. Which is a little scary sometimes because yeah. then you're like, huh. Yeah. They offered it to me. Yeah, but I can't but I get really one. really win it. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it so messes weird, with your head. A, it is a weird way sometimes to go in. Um, and so I auditioned for this part on this show called Teen Wolf. You know, I do the audition. And I take off to Florida and they're like, hey, can you come in for a meeting? And I'm like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm in Florida. My dad is is sick or and and Jeff Davis's response was, that's OK. I know. him. It's good. He's good. Uh, and uh, it's just like and I and I didn't know Jeff. And but I'd worked with Russell on a film. Russell Mulcahy. Yeah. And who uh, was a director and amazing director. What they did with, with the budget that they had. And what they, was... what they made was magic. Yeah. And so I got on this show, this, this, uh, I, first of all, I got this thing called Teen Wolf that I thought, holy Michael J. Fox. Shit. Can That's they what not, I thought. Can, I thought, can they not come up with anything a little yeah. more original than yeah. this? I was like, Michael, are they bringing that back? Yeah. And then yeah. I, then I, I read the script and I went, ooh. This is actually really good. It was yeah. really good, like really good. Yeah. And then I met these kids, and they were really good. And Matt, I was working for local hire in Atlanta. Nothing, because they shot the first season yeah. down there. Yeah, the first, first two, two seasons. seasons, making nothing. Like the first season, literally making. I mean, I might have made something, but it was kind of like nothing. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then Jeff called me after the first season. He goes, he goes, I just went through the budget. And he goes, and I saw what we paid you. He goes, that's appalling. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the whole first season, he was like, he goes, I know that this is not your rate. I know that he goes, I will make it up to you. I promise you I'll make it. And I was like, I love doing this. It's fun. Let's, yeah. you know, let's make something great. And, uh, and we did. And the show took off and they paid me better and then after the second season we won the production lottery in Los Angeles 
So we came back to Los Angeles to film. Everyone wanted to come back home. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, that's cool. And so we moved, we were empty nesters at that point. And so we moved back, back. You're up in Malibu. Yeah. Right? And, and we surfing. We moved to Malibu and live in a trailer park and it's all good. And, yeah. And uh, when, now when you say you live in a trailer park, I live like in a trailer right, park. yeah, like right Don't, on the I'm proud water. of proud of the axles in my you're, home. You're right on a, um, yeah. Looking out at the it, So it is. It's this thing of like you think you're gonna go do something else in life and maybe life doesn't let you do it. Yeah. Or you never know where you're gonna wind up. This is the helicopter's coming yeah. for you, by the way. It's okay. <laughs> it's about time. Uh you never know where you're gonna wind up or how it's all gonna work out, and it rarely goes the way that you would have scripted it if you could have scripted it but it's it's hard it's a lot of heartache it's a lot of you got to have a thick skin and you got to be able to let stuff go thick skin short memory learn from your mistakes and never ever ever confuse your success in this business with your self-worth as a human being. I don't really want to say too much after that because that's beautifully put. I can't, I can't top it. I'm out. Um, thank you Dude, for I love showing you. up and being here. And Always. Just, I mean, you can spin a yarn. I love it. Yeah, well, really, thank you, you, get, you, old, you get older and you realize that you don't know anything. <laughs> that's <quick>. wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Real or quick, I tell you, the crazy we, thing where is- Where do people find you? Well, like if they had to, out so my like, like, is there like somewhere like like Twitter and Instagram <laughs> oh, I'm and Lyndon all that Ashby at, at Twitter.com. At, or, or no, no, like a handle. What is it? At Lyndon Ashby. I think so. Yeah, at Lyndon Ashby. Okay, let's hope and that's right. I don't know how this works. And and well, you have like you, you have like five hundred thousand. You can followers. find me if okay, you want to so find anyway, me. You can Lyndon find me. Ashby. Uh, follow him. You know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't know. 